checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. Again, happy Mother's Day. The Lord is good. Now, if you're a woman, we're going to be speaking to you too, even if you're single, uh, because uh, the message today isn't just for moms, although it's, it applies, it's for women in general. Um, I said, you know, I got something to say to women um, because the Lord has something to say to women. Hallelujah. And sometimes I think women need to hear uh, from a man of God because they're hearing from a bunch of ungodly men. And we as men need to make sure our words and the way we speak to women, treat women, uh, stay in line with the word. There are things that don't exist today. Uh, because, you know, uh, manhood has been diminished tremendously. Uh, but we need to stay with manhood when it comes to how we honor women. So with that being said, turn over to Genesis chapter 1, because if you want to know about a woman, you got to go back to the beginning. Right? You can't know women today. You have to know women according to God's design. Amen. And in Genesis chapter one, starting in verse 26, we'll go to verse 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our li- uh, in a, and according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So the first thing we need to learn as we read Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, is he said, Let us make man. Man is the spirit of humanity. So when I say humanity, that is both male and female. When I say mankind, although it's not a politically correct word now, But when we say mankind, we're not talking male, we're talking male and female. When we say humanity, we're saying male and female. When God says, let us make man, he's saying the spirit of humanity. Why do we know that the spirit of man isn't assigned the gender? It's the spirit of man. Although the spirit has a gender assigned to it. How do we know this? Because it's placed in a skin suit. And so God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them rule, them, humanity rule. He made man in his image, both male and And he never gets the spirit of man wrong in the suit therein. God never does that. Why? Because you were known before you were born. Before you were in your mother's womb, there is no such thing from the realm of the spirit where all of a sudden, you know, we'll just treat it like it's a joke, right? That St. Peter or Gabriel runs to God and say, we blew it. What happened? Had a mistake. What do you mean a mistake? Well, we were going to put so-and-so into this womb, but we actually put them in a different womb. That's never happened in the history of all creation. But yet today, because the devil is afraid of you knowing who you are. As Pastor Mark said here and in um, uh, Fort Walton Beach, he said, 
If you don't identify your identity, if you are in an identity crisis, then crisis will become your identity. And the reality is, I understand on one side, mercy's there. I'm not mad because I realize they just are trying to figure out who they are. But if you don't go to the word of God to find it, then the devil will accommodate confusion. Are you hearing me? In no other form of creation is there this kind of crisis. None. So God, he placed humanity in his image to rule in a male suit and a female suit and both were to have dominion. Go ahead, ladies, say, I have dominion. dominion. Say, I have dominion. dominion. Now, dominion's a serious thing because dominion means rulership. It means to rule. It means to govern. It means to manage because God in his word never created subspecies when it came to humanity, he created sons and daughters of the king. He created children that had the same ability to rule. And this is before sin. The female did not take a supported or submitted role to Adam until after the fall. So in God's eyes before sin came, when he looked at Adam and Eve, he saw equals. All right, I'll go over here. (laughs) Ladies, I need you to help me. He saw equals. He saw equality. And because they were without sin, there was never competition. Adam never would have told his wife, I'm not doing it, because her words only would have been the words of the king. There never would have been, I'm not doing what you say, we're going to do it my way, because your way is God's way, my way is God's way, we're only doing it God's way. And it would not have mattered to Adam if God spoke to his wife to say what God said and said, oh, that's right, that's what God says, we'll do that, honey. There was no conversation before sin where he said, I'm the head of the house, I'll figure it out. Just say amen anyway. Because we are stuck in a different age, a different condition that God now has placed a model, but let me tell you, it's not staying this way. It's not staying this way. And if we actually notice through scripture, God is the greatest liberator of females than anyone else ever on the planet. He's done more for females than even the so-called women's liberation movement. Are you hearing me? And the reality is religion has placed women in a vulnerable position because when When man fell, when sin entered the world, men began to treat women as property. And even now, the greatest struggles that women have in the planet is because of religion. In fact, there's a whole religion dedicated for the men that if they die for their God, they will be 
with God and as a reward get 21 virgins. Yet they treat the women here like dogs. They don't value them. They have no value for them. They openly physically and verbally abuse them. And yet they have this dream to have 21 virgin ones when they die. Do you really think their attitude towards them would be different somewhere else? Well, we know this religion, they're not getting them anyway. You know what they're going to get? The lake of fire. Ah, they'll become a eunuch the rest of their lives. They'll never, ever be with a woman again. Holla and won't be concerned about them. They'll be too concerned about their torment. Religion has reduced. Why is there such human trafficking happen? Why? Because sin has caused women to not be valued as God valued them. I mean, if we just read the Bible, God always honored women. Always. One of the first examples of God honoring a woman is by the name of Sarah. Sarah. That was Abraham's wife. And she made a mistake because she couldn't have children. Her and her husband weren't having children. I speculate that she was trying to determine who was at fault here. Was it me or Abraham? Who, can he not help me have a child? So when he handed her his maidservant, it made life even more difficult for her because now she knows I'm the issue because Hagar got pregnant. But it was never God's will for Abraham to go that route. But later on, when that child became a challenge to, her, to the promised child, she went to Abraham and says, we're going to have to send him off. And God said, Abraham, listen to your wife. I think men need to learn to listen to their wives. Go ahead and say amen. Come on. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you guys today. I'm going to say that statement again, and you should say amen louder than everybody. Okay, let's do that. Men should listen to their wives. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. One, two, three. Oh, yeah. Mighty man there, bro. Mighty man there. Uh, didn't even have anybody jump on that. Pastor Mike, we got some training to do. Come on. Because if you thought like Jesus, you would value women better than this. Are you hearing me? This is why I needed to preach today. There was another woman called a prophetess in the Bible. Her name was Deborah. And the army came to Deborah and says, can we take the enemy? They did not go to her husband. Didn't go to him. And she says, the Lord's with you, take them. They said, well, because again, this is how man struggle with understanding the value of a woman. Okay, well, we're not going to go into battle unless you go. In essence, uh, maybe you're wrong. So you're going to go with us because if it goes bad, you're going to be there with us. 
And so she's bold because she knew the voice of God. She wasn't intimidated by that man. She said, that's fine. I'll go with you because I know what the Lord said. But let her know this. A man won't get credit for the battle today, but a woman's going to get it. So there was a woman in a tent that wasn't ever scheduled to be a part of this process. But because a man failed to understand the value that came out of the prophetess, God said, I won't give the victory to a man. I'm going to give it to a woman. And when the king showed up at the woman's tent and says, hi, me, I'm tired. You know, and she's like, oh, man, here's the guy that everyone's after. Come on in. She lays him down, gives him some milk. Covers him up, makes him comfortable. And then drives a stake slapped through his temple. Hallelujah. Women have helped men kill their enemies. Are you hearing me? Husbands, if you get your wives involved with some of your problems, they'll start eliminating your enemies from you. You won't have problems at work like you're having because your wife will pray that enemy on out. Your wife will be able to stand in a gap that you're not standing in. All right. And they're like, hey, is anybody here? The guy you're looking for is in my uh, chambers. <laughs> Why don't you come on in and see if, see if this is it? So they come in like, oh, we're going to take him. Oh, he's dead. <laughs> he's already dead. Amen. God, in the beginning, said women are extremely valuable. And this is what's crazy to me that men can't see this is because she came out of us. Why would you abuse yourself? Why would you devalue a part of you? Something that you carried on the inside. And when God paraded every type of creation in front of Adam, and he said there wasn't a suitable helper, in essence, he's saying, listen, You'll never find your comfort in any other source. And there's nothing else you can pursue that's going to be a help to you. I want you to look at all my creatures. I want you to name them. A dog shouldn't be man's best friend. My wife is my best friend. She's my best friend. She's my lover. She's my passion. She comes alongside me and not underneath me. She holds me up, strengthens me. She gives me godly wisdom and counsel. She allows me to touch and agree with no one further than my own bedroom. And I cause things to move in the earth because we're two people touch and agree. I don't have to go call a bunch of men and say, hey, we going to war today. I can say, honey, let's pray. We'll bind this right now. I might let some guys in on the process, but we're going to whip this ourselves. Are you hearing me? Because God understood the value that he placed in a woman. Because man, when he made Adam, he formed him out of the dust of the earth, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, brought him everything that the world could offer and says, none of this is good for you. It won't help you accomplish your purpose. What you have is already inside you. I'm going to pull it out. And man, Adam was smart enough when he saw her. He said, whoa, man. Sure, you've heard that one. This is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, right? We'll call her woman, because a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave, cleave, cleave to his wife, 
and they'll become one flesh. It's amazing how most men are marrying women to parade them, not to, to cleave to them. Well, let me find me a sweet honey so I can parade her in front of everybody. This is my wife with all of her Botox, blowed up lips, <laughs> new hood ornaments. Just say amen anyway. Right? Like we got a trophy over here. <laughs> when you're supposed to cleave to her, realize the value of what you ha have in your possession. Now, I understand in the fall, some women can be horrible. I get that because of sin. I understand that. But I'm talking to the church today. I want to talk to women of God today. I want to talk to men of God today because there's no one in this room right now that has an excuse to live substandard unless you're not born again and we can fix that today. If you're a man of God today, hopefully your value of your wife's going to uh, go somewhere else before you leave. If you are single male, then you need to understand the value of what you need to go pursue. If you are a single woman, you need to understand the value you are and don't let some guy cheapen you by trying to buy your sex. Don't become a prostitute by going to him with the movies, letting him get you flowers, and then giving you three stupid words that he doesn't mean. It's amazing. And the only reason why a woman would exchange sex for affection or attention is because she doesn't know her value. Hallelujah. God valued women. God knew that women were so important after the fall that he says, I can only bring my seed through her anyway. And I'm sure not going to use this new man to help. Not going to use him because he's corrupt. But I can get purity, perfection in the earth through the woman still. Are you hearing me? Do you understand Jesus, when he walked on the planet, first communicated in John 4, the first time he said, I'm the Messiah, was to a woman at a well. Didn't reveal it to a man first. Now, there were men saying it. Andrew ran to his brother Peter and said, we have found the Messiah. John the Baptist was talking about, this is the lamb that, you know, this is the one that I've been talking about. But Jesus' own acknowledgement of his be him being the Messiah was to a woman at a well who's had five husbands and the one she's with now isn't the one, isn't even her husband. And yet he saw past all of that and says, I didn't create you this way. There's more value with you. And I'm not going to speak to you in your current condition. I want you to know before I tell any man any male, I'm the Messiah. And you know what happened after he was risen from the dead? Peter comes running to the garden, looks in, nothing. The disciples, nothing. They can't see, but someone had already told him he was alive because there was a woman who had seven unclean spirits that Jesus rebuked out of her and she faithfully served him and when she went when the guys were sleeping on the third day went to prepare his body 
the stone was rolled away. And Jesus introduced himself resurrected first to a woman. What value that the God of heaven and earth says, I reveal my will to the woman after the fall first. Now, he revealed it to the man first in the garden. But because man brought sin in, God brings revelation first to the woman in two occasions. Are you hearing me? The value of women to impart spiritual truths. Ladies, this is why you need to become what we're going to talk about tonight. Because your children's depend on it. Your children depend on it. Are you hearing me? How much did Jesus value women that followed him? Look in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. I'm going to read the Weymouth uh, translation. It says, shortly after he visited town, uh, visited town after town and village after village, proclaiming his message and telling the good news of the kingdom of God, the 12 were with him. And certain women, say women, who had, uh, who had uh, delivered from, he had delivered from evil spirits and various diseases, Mary, obviously, out of the seven de- demons had come, and Joanna, and Susanna, and many other women, all of whom contributed to the support of Jesus and his apostles. So Luke, who is the most descriptive writer of the Gospels is saying a good amount of Jesus's financial underwriting came through women. And women are not going to invest in something that's not giving them value. Are you hearing me? These women were supporting what Jesus and the apostles were doing. And notice God didn't say, oh, you're a woman, you can't hang out with us. You can't travel with us. I can't have you follow us. You know, these guys are married. You can't be following with us. Oh, y'all don't want to hear this. I mean, I understand fleeing the appearance of evil. But man, it had me thinking, boy, Jesus is out with a bunch of women hanging out in tents. I'm sure a lot of things were said about Jesus that wasn't true. We know this. But even women said, I'll leave the comforts of home. I'll leave what, you know, is stable in my life. And I'll go and travel with this guy. I'll set up a tent with him. Where, what town that he goes to, I'm going to go. What village he's at, I'm going to be. What need he has, I'm going to meet that need. And for far too long, the women have dominated the church. Because the men stay so stuck in their sinful behavior after conversion and never renew their mind to the value of their spouse. Many men sit in church today because of a praying wife, a praying mother. If it wasn't for that legacy. In fact, Paul's greatest disciple named Timothy, he said to him, he said, Timothy, Listen, you can do this because I see the gift in you, the one that was given to you first by your grandmama and then by your mama. Never mentioned his father once. His father was a Greek anyway. Never left him a spiritual legacy, but his grandma and his mom did. Are you hearing me? 
when fathers are at home and mom says, hey, let's go to church, you should say, yes. Well, you know, I worked long uh, all week, honey. You know, I'm going to stay home today. No, you get up. Because most of you are not getting up when the child's throwing up, when you need to change the diaper. I mean, we use work as an excuse to be lazy. I'm going to say that again. We use work as an excuse to be lazy. Because now in our society, even the women are working. I mean, they can't, they can't just concentrate on a home-only environment. They're having to be active. Then they come home, clean a house, cook or purchase it. They're still washing. But again, when we co-labor together, when you know you're by our side, your side, then if she says, hey, listen, can you fold that for us? You should say, yeah, honey, no problem. I'm here to help fold the clothes. We can do it together. I'll do dishes. I'll, I'll clean the toilet. Uh, you, just point me. You are a manager of the house way better than I am. And just point me in the direction and I'll do it. Because we're a team. Hey, can you get me another cold one while I watch the game? Huh, listen, I, I give you permission as your pastor. Next time one of these brothers up in here say that, Get the cold one, walk over to the couch, pour it on their head. And then say, wake up in Jesus' name. <laughs> Apparently, you've lost your mind. <laughs> Amen. I, there's nothing wrong with serving, don't get me wrong. But, you know, there's a culture of men out there, and they ain't left the world much. But women have value, and I'm going to talk about your value today. Matthew chapter 13, verses 45 to 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. See, I, I can preach this way because I do dishes. I fold clothes. My wife is phenomenal at washing and drying. It is not her passion to fold. Can I just say it? She hates it. She hates it. But she, don't, she hates it. Not so much, though, that she's going to put it up. But she will let me know how long they've been in the basket. Well, those things have been in the basket for, for three days. I got it. I just let them get wrinkled real good before I fold them. No, I'm just saying we have to work together. We work together. There's nothing at the house that is only hers. We are together. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls, and upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. It's amazing how man will sell out for a possession. He'll sell his life out for his job, his work, for money, for promotion, for title. Think it's the greatest thing. Walk around, strut around even. Look what I, look at my title, look who I am, look what I've accomplished, look at all my awards. Look how I've been promoted. Look how everybody talks about me at work. Look what I've accomplished. Look at my degrees. Look how much money we have on the, in the bank, honey. See, I'm taking care of you. Because we see material possession or wealth as the most valuable. Proverbs 20, 
15 says, there is gold and an abundance of jewels. And it's like men pursue it with a passion and don't know what they possess in their own home. It said, but the lips of knowledge are a more precious thing. So the Bible lets us know right out the gate. I get it. The kingdom of heaven is like what we see men do. They are chasing after worldly treasures. And when they find one, they're willing to sell everything and go after that treasure. You know how many husbands have gone home and snatched their wife and children out of a good church just to take a, a job promotion somewhere else? Not even take it into consideration that we're going to a place that's a good church. How's this going to affect my family? Just that more money means we have to be better. Like money provides joy and peace and eliminates all problems. And God says, look, there's an abundance of, there's gold and abundance of jewels in the world. There's all kinds of treasures. But man, if you can get a hold of knowledge, there's something even more precious. The lips of knowledge, there is something even more precious. Proverbs 8, 11 says this is what's precious. For wisdom is better than jewels. And all desirable things cannot, cannot, cannot what? Cannot compare with her. Can't even compare. Doesn't matter what you got in the bank. If you don't have wisdom, you're broke. You're bankrupt. You don't understand value. Again, we can chase. And here, let me say something, ladies. If you chase what men chase, you don't know your value. Well, I'm going to be the one in the corporation. I'm going to be the one that's successful. I'm going to be the one that's going to make the mark. I'm the one who's going to make the most money. I'm going to get paid more than a man gets paid. Like your pursuit is to make sure you have more money than a man. Because you'll be validated all of a sudden, right? Because all of a sudden now, I'm validated. I make as much as a guy does. But there's value more than that. Most women are trading their children for a promotion and position. It's because they don't understand their value. But wisdom is better than jewels, and all desirable things cannot comprehend with her. Look at this in Proverbs 3, 13 to 15. He said, how blessed is the man who finds what? Not a job. Now, you need a job. Don't get me wrong. But you need wisdom. And the man who gains understanding for her. And notice, I love this because wisdom is always associated with a female. With a female. This is the Holy Spirit moving upon men. And they associate wisdom. Which tells me then when God pulled Eve out from Adam. Part of this DNA that went to her must have wisdom associated with it. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding, for her profit is better than the profit of silver and her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire compares with her. Nothing you desire compares with her. You say, now what's this have to do with a wife? Let's read the next verse. 
Proverbs 18 or, or 19 verse 14 says it this way. House and wealth are an inheritance from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. There's something about a woman in the home that when they are given their position of value, they become more precious than all riches. And nothing we could ever pursue, men, can compare. Nothing that we ever could pursue could compare. We should be more conscious of wanting to see the gift of God released in our wives than any other thing we ever accomplish on the planet. We should be willing to sacrifice anything for her to be able to grow in the things of God. Because when you get a woman of God in the house, there's nothing you can't accomplish. I said there's nothing you can't accomplish. In essence, what these scriptures are telling us is that you want to pursue gold, you want to pursue silver, you want to pursue jewels, you want to go after pearls, you want to do natural wealth, you want to pursue that, you could do it, but your life will be in ruin. But if you'll pursue wisdom, if you'll go ahead and learn how to get wisdom, then all the things you are pursuing will actually follow you. It's like what Jesus said, you can't serve both God and wealth. You'll love one and hate the other. In essence, if we'll just serve God, God, money follows. If we'll go pursue wisdom, then finance will follow. If we will cultivate a wife to release her God-given ability, then not only will wisdom begin to manifest in our homes, which is we can't even compare to that, but wealth will follow as well. Your greatest asset is your spouse. Your greatest asset. It's not your college education. It's not your mere brute strength. It's not the sweat of your brow. It's that sweet-smelling aroma. Oh, my, my. Some of y'all need to fall in love with your wives again. Praise the Lord. I'm talking about with the love of God. All right, we going. Proverbs. <laughs> 1914. Y'all all right? <laughs> I can't think of any guy that if somebody came up and gave a financial seminar on how they can get ahead in the world financially and get promoted and all this stuff happen and, you know, notoriety and influence and all these particular things that would be like, oh, great. And I'm telling you what it is. It's called a woman. Now, why do I say woman? Because I'm smart as a pastor. My heart is all God's. I love him with all my heart. My wife doesn't have all my heart. Only God does. And because God has my whole heart, she's never in, never in jeopardy. She's never in jeopardy. Okay? So that allows me to love her as Christ loves the church. And she's it. She's only it. There is no other it. I've gone to some churches and they've uh, come to my mind and said, oh, you're the first lady. I remember going to a particular church and they introduced her, uh, uh, someone, the pastor wife uh, said, oh, you're the first lady. They said, no, I'm the only lady. <laughs> you understand? This is the only lady. I'm going to say it again. It's the only lady. It's the only lady. 
but she's not the only woman. There's another woman that's not with us today, a young one, 23, 24. How old is Anila? 25. Anila has wisdom in the realm of government. And I am standing before senators, commissioners, because of her gift. I've never been in front of the type of people I'm in front of right now without the wisdom that's coming from a woman. I was wise enough to know that there's an anointing on this girl's life. And if I'll release her gift in this body, she will allow me to do my gift in a sector of society that I couldn't get in without her. She's opened doors for me that I could have never opened because she is a jewel in God's eyes concerning that sector of society. Pastor Angie, she's anointed to lay hands on people to get uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if somebody's struggling, I'm like, find Pastor Angie. That woman has an anointing to be able to lay hands and they receive immediately. I've seen men lay hands on and they just seem, I'll say, go get Pastor Angie. She'll come down there, lay hands, boom, they'll start speaking in other tongues. It's because I see the gift of God on her. Listen, if I'm talking to you about something in your life, lady, it's because I see the gift of God in you and you need to let us release this thing. Because again, the church needs your gift but men, you need to understand, you need to release those gifts in your home. The house I'm in today is because this woman knows how to call them in. My children are like they are today because this woman knew how to navigate. Now, they're free will and they can go their own choice, but I know the foundation. And mamas, let me tell you something. When you put the word of God in your kids, you hold on to that. Even if they're acting foolish and ungodly you hold on to that because that word does way more than what the world's doing and at the end of the day when you stand before a holy God he's going to reward you for not backing down from truth children that are in here right now you need to really sincerely thank your mama Especially if they're in here. You need to run to them, give them a hug. Say, wow, I need to value you way more than I'm valuing you. Proverbs 18, says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from God. Proverbs 12, 4 says this, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband. Let me just stop there. Did you hear that? An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. When my wife and I got together, we were a mess. I never talk about us because we are not the example. I don't. I don't talk about how we got together. Not talking about it. I would never want someone to say, well, it worked for them because it may not work for you. It only worked for us because we decided God's getting all of us. 
and the baggage we had coming in, we were, we were destined for divorce. Come on now. Destined. But because we actually gave our hearts to the Lord and we allowed him to change us. Because of that. Pastor Marcy, you've heard her testify. I grew up in a church, but honestly, I grew up in a religious church. I grew up in a church that you could be born again, and I did have God in me, but it was religious, and I sure didn't live for him. Pastor Marcy got born again at a young age because of a vacation Bible school, but never went to church again. So she says, I was raised heathen. And as a result of that, you know, she saw a lot of different things going on and made a lot of choices based upon what she thought was right. But there's a way that seems right. And in the end lies, that's just thing. Everything we're doing just falls apart. And then all of a sudden we show up and meet each other on a blind date. Two chaotic people. But when we came together, there came this thought. If this is going to happen... We're really going to have to follow God. And they were easy years. They were not. But we overcame. Gentlemen, never devalue a wife who will yield to the word and let it renew their mind to be godly. You value that more than anything because, son, you don't know what it's like to have a woman that becomes rebellious to the things of God. There's nothing worse than a contentious woman. They're worse than a man. You know why? Because women are the greatest manipulators when they're ungodly. And you know how they manipulate? By sleeping with you. They give you pleasure while they whip you and keep you in bondage. Men are so strong, but they're conquered so easily. Say amen. I can do it. Men are so, you know, we're, that's our, that's, that's pride gone to stupidity, right? I mean, it's like, we are so strong, yet a woman. Think about all the great leaders that fell. Something that's probably not much more than 115 pounds. Takes them down every time. And they first start doing it by. Walking by a little faster so the perfume flows over. They know how to carry a spirit of lust when they're ungodly now. So when you've got a woman that's like, man, let's go, you're like, honey, you going, we going to church, we are going to church. Because if I want to have the greatest, I need to release you. Because God knows exactly what's best in you. And you got to stand your ground that you make a demand on it. And there's something about women that when you demand their godliness, they rise to the occasion. My wife could break generational curses because I made demands on her to be a woman of God and called her that even when she wasn't talking it. 
when she wasn't feeling it. Now, I'm growing too. <laughs> Believe you me, I'm having to deal with me. But at the end of the day, there's no reason for me to lash out to you and tell you who you are because I'm struggling. I might as well call you what I want you to be because that's what God wants you to be. And my, 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 how the Holy Ghost would just minister to her life. I knew my limitations. I can't mine out all the value in her. There were times that we would be in situations where I'm like, Lord, only you can change this. And I trust you. Because I've seen her yield. She knows her worth. Continue to show her her value. Are you hearing me? Women are greater than the greatest material possessions we could ever have. You have to look in the room right now and say, the greatest value that there is in the planet is this woman beside me. And again, at the end of the day, I'm not shortchanging us as men and our role. I'm just telling you that the value of women is priceless. He said, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband. How would you not want to be crowned? Because all men want to be. All men want to be the ruler. You want to rule? Let your wife become your crown. Let her godliness show up. Let her ability come. And you know what? She'll come alongside you because she's your helpmeet. She's not your stepping stone. She's the one that's going to do things that you're incapable of doing. She'll have ways to do stuff that honestly you're going to look ignorant. But it's okay because what her capacity is is only complementing the assignment in the first place. God told man to be fruitful and to multiply. Man cannot do it without the woman. So she has a capacity that we don't have. And we need the shared capacity. And I'm not just talking physical. I'm talking emotional and I'm talking um, spiritual. I'm talking in wisdom, in intellect, because they possess it. My wife is a phenomenal organizer. She's amazing at that. She can do those things. She's awesome at design. There are so, things that are just natural with her. And you put that against me, I look like I'm an imbecile. But I'm okay with that because I don't have to do what she does. And it doesn't bother me to say, what do you want to do? You decide. Because we're only going to be better together if you make this decision. I'm not intimidated by your gifts and ability because I got my gifts and ability. I got what you can't do. But together, we're unstoppable. I said we're unstoppable. You got to quit thinking in your mind you're with the wrong person. What you got to think is that you need to live godly. The other live godly. Start doing it the God way and release the talents in the household. But I must admit, it starts with a man. That he looks at the woman and says, you have such great value. I must see you with the eyes of the Father. I must see you with the eyes of the Father. You may talk away, you may act away. But I'm going to be dad, the father in front of you. Because when I live dad, the father in front of you, it's the greatest opportunity to pull your greatness out. 
early in our marriage, which, you know, we're 32 years in September. Yeah, we process different. Process different. And I made certain demands of the father. Like, you don't go to bed angry. Didn't do it. What did that look like? I turned the lights on. And even though it may not be completely resolved with her, or she may appease me to go to sleep, I still was the example of that scripture. We should not be angry with one another. You got the love of God in you. I got the love of God in me. At the end of the day, we can resolve this. We are of no excuse. There's no excuse for us to have this kind of conflict. There's no excuse for us to hold our own will. There's no excuse for us to say it's my way and not his way. And one of the greatest lessons I ever learned is to die on the altar of opinion. Quit being stubborn on my way to do it. Because my yielding to her and just go, let's do it your way then. My way's not wrong. Your way's not wrong. But I don't have to die on it just being my way. But I found that every time I gave up my right to be right, that I empowered her to release her value. And she got confident in being able to make choices and to see it embraced and to see that I valued her and I didn't treat her as she had been treated most of her life. And there are many women in this room that have been treated in a way that God never intended. Not valued. But I want you to know God sees you as something more precious than silver and gold. In Proverbs, well, let's finish that verse. An excellent wife is a crown for her husband, but she who shames him is like rottenness to his bone. Ladies, I have to go to the other side. When you don't value who God is in you, you are the worst to be around. You're the worst to be around. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I just say yield and submit to God so that your true identity can come out. You don't need a man to complete you. You are already complete in Christ. The husband you're with today is so that you have a shared passion to accomplish God's will. And that's what you're doing. That's why, men, you got to have a vision. And you have to take the lead and move in that vision. When we moved here, it was kind of shocking, to be honest with you. My wife has followed me all over the place. And believe you me, she would have not, in her own mind, done it that way. That wasn't her way of thinking. She wasn't going to marry a pastor anyway at the end of the day. But through all the movement, when we finally were in Oklahoma, youth passion, been there for three years, and the Lord speaks to me about moving. I mean, we're doing the best we've ever done. And it was probably one of the biggest struggles for her to say, really? We got to do this one again? And, you know, she couldn't say one more time because we've moved so much. How does she know we're going to last here? We've been here a long time, baby. <laughs> anyway, my point is, is that I said, listen, if I don't do the will of God, if I'm not in it, we're not going to make it. I said, this is what we were destined for all this time. And one more time, she says, not my will, but your will be done. 
And because of that, so, and I'm going to brag on my wife. In July, when we go to camp meeting, this woman of God is the first woman to ever do a speaking at the night services at camp meeting in 50 years. No other woman has ever done that. Not even Pastor Lynette Hagen or Pastor Denise Hagen Burns. That when they decided to have a female minister on a night in camp meeting, and I'm talking heavy hitters that have ministered at camp meeting. Kenneth Copeland's been at camp meetings. John uh, Olstein. I mean, um, Lester Summerall. I mean, there are world-renowned ministries that have ministered with Kenneth E. Hagan and Kenneth W. Hagan. And when they said, it's time to do a woman, pastor called your pastor. Come on, somebody. Pastor Hagan said, I can think of a woman that has value. I can think of a woman that is precious. I can think of a woman that is proven that she yields to God and loves God. And some of y'all been here, y'all know her story. You know the sexual abuse that she went through and how that destroys value. But God. I said, but God. Let me read you my wife and others in here. Proverbs 31. Come on, ladies, get this. I'm going to read out the passion. It's good. Man, it's good. Who could ever find a wife like this one? Come on, ladies, you need to own this. If you're single, Jasmine, you fixing to get married. Here's your job description. You hear what I'm saying? All right. Just so we know. This is the job description. This is the job description. All right. Who? CC, this is the job description. Okay. I got a few of y'all. I'm fixing, we fixing a marriage. So. All right. Who could ever find a wife like this? She's a woman of strength and mighty valor. We think of those terms only with men. It's not true. She's full of what? Wealth and wisdom. The price paid for her was greater than many. You hear this? You hear what I'm saying? We already know wisdom has more value than gold and precious jewels. And here, Proverbs is saying, you want to know something else that's kind of equal to wisdom? It's called a woman. The price paid for her was, was greater than many jewels. Her husband has entrusted his heart to her, and she brings him the rich spoils of victory. All throughout her life, she brings him what is good and not evil. Woo! Brings him what's good. And not evil. She's not here to sabotage him. She's not there to try to shine above him. She's not there to try to rule over him. She's there just to bring him good. Husbands, if your wife's bringing you good, you need to get off your horse. And go ahead and massage her feet. Are you hearing me? Because your greatest asset 
is your wife. That's a woman of God. She searches out continually to possess that which is pure and righteous. Oh my gosh, this is so good. Verse 14. She, or she delights in the work of her hands. She gives out revelation, truth to feed others. She is like a trading ship bringing divine supply from the merchant. Man, when I get in this, I said, honey, here's where, where I'm at. I need you to pray about it. Because I might need you to bring in a divine ship of revelation truth about this situation. Just in case God wants to speak to me through you, I'm ready. Not that I can't hear the Holy Ghost because when she brings me divine revelation truth concerning a situation, the Holy Ghost in me says, yeah, I told her that. Why does he do that? Because the Holy Ghost says, listen, you're not the only one who can hear me, and I want you to know how much I value her. That's why I don't talk to you about that. I talk to her so that you'll always maintain your value of her like I value her. Even in the night season, she arises and sets food on the table for the hungry ones in her house and for others. I mean, it's amazing the physical and emotional stamina of a woman. Any husband that's ever carried a child on their hip has back problems. I mean, I can flex my bicep and it is a lot larger than my wife. But when we start carrying kids and grandkids, I don't carry my kids now because they're so big. <laughs> But when they were little, I mean, I'd hold them, help my wife, you know, you hold, okay, I got them. And we're going, you know, I'm the man, I'm the strong guy. And we're walking through the store and you're like, wow, I'm going to muscle failure already. My back of my, and like, so you switch, you know, and you're like going through, man, and you start sweating. You're like, wow, what is going on? But my wife, she'll walk through the whole store one side. I mean, like hours. You're like, how does that bicep not give out? Why well, has she not dropped the child on the floor? I'm like, <sighs> am I right, men? I don't know. I'm like, I, I'm done with this. You're getting on my shoulders. That's why men carry your kids on their shoulders, because we can't handle it in our arms. We ain't got no hip to hold on. Get on this seat right here. You'll be all right. <laughs> their emotional stability in situations you're like I, if I only had your tenacity if I had that y'all would be like thinking, man if I could just put my wife inside me her spirit like get y'all better watch out I'd be a bad mamma jamma <laughs> oh man I'm telling you it's amazing their tenacity their ability to endure even in the night season, she arises. When you're tired, you still get up with enough clarity to accomplish. She sets food on the table for hungry ones in her house and for others. She sets her heart upon a nation and, it ta and takes it as her own, carrying it with her. Boy, there's nothing more powerful, gentlemen, than when you are in any situation, you say, honey, can you pray for me about this? That she'll set that in her heart and carry it. 
You know why this is so powerful? Because women have the ability to conceive. They know how to carry. They're an incubator in order to give birth. We as men, we engage the process and then we're done. And the problem is that there's things in life that require more than a quick answer. It needs to incubate. It needs to be given birth and the woman can carry that. And if you're not getting a real answer about something, it's better for you to say, honey, I'll wait till you give birth to that than for you to go ahead and just keep making decisions about this is what we're going to do with the company now. This is what we're going to do here and this. This is what we're going to do here. You know, just hold on. Let me me pray about this for a little bit. Because in the natural, we don't say, three, you've been holding that child for three months. Let's go. Get it out. How long are you, Eloise, now? Three months. Stand up. Let's have a baby. There she is. Right? And we're not impatient because she can't give birth right now because it's not ready. And a lot of times we get impatient, but yet our wives are so precious that they can cause things to come out of, they give birth to seasons of our lives. They give birth to next phases. I got something right now that I want to do. And my wife's telling me it's not time. I don't really agree with her, but I still hadn't done it yet. <laughs> Cause I'm cautious. I mean, I have enough reason to say, I don't care. It's going to be all right. We can do it, but I don't have enough of God to say, well, then do it. And because of that, when she said, I don't think it's the season, I have to go, ooh. But it's growing in her, I can tell you that. <laughs> it's growing in her. And she's going to give birth to it one day. It won't take nine months, probably. If it takes nine months, I'll take it. But it's been a month in there. All right. <laughs> no, I'm telling you. We need to understand that value they have. Let's go on. She, uh, she wraps herself in strength. Oh, is that where we're at? Go back so I can get back into it. Uh, she sets her heart upon a nation, takes it, uh, takes it as her own, carries it within her. She delights in the works. Uh, go on, next one now. She labors there to plant the living vines. She wraps herself in strength, might, and power in all her works. My wife's a gardener. She loves it. And it's amazing. I'm not a weed guy. Kill the weeds with red whatever. Round up. Round them up. That's about the labor I want on a weed. (laughs) But my wife will get down. She'll pull them. And she has the capacity to do a whole bed on her knees. And love the process. There's value when someone can endure dealing with weeds and enjoy the process knowing, I understand we are not done, but I'm getting it done. Because we as men, we want to spray it, 
Go watch the game. Come back a few days later and see it. But they're dead in there. They don't disappear. You still got to dig them out or do something. We too often want quick fixes. Now, the advantage to us is we're spontaneous. We can, or when a situation arises, we can handle storms a lot of times. We are well equipped. But man, when there's processes that take place, I'm thankful that the value of my wife is to be able to say, look, I'm going to go in here and just, I'm going to get all this out. And it doesn't matter if it takes us long. I'll pick it all out. Because when it's done, they're gone. It goes on and says this, she tastes and experiences a better substance. And her shining light will not be extinguished no matter how dark the night. Talking about someone who knows how to hold on to hope. If you're a woman and you've lost hope, you're in really grave spot. The devil has done an extremely good job of deceiving you that you could stay in that kind of darkness. Because women have the capacity to maintain the light of hope. Even when it seems like it's nothing, not going anywhere, man's actually given up. A woman can say, well, there's hope. There's hope. She stretches out her hand to help the needy and she lays hold of the wills of government. What's that mean? She has the ability to influence power. This is why I'm not surprised of how we've gotten into the corridors of power. In fact, if you were here with Bishop Garraway, he actually prophesied that my name would echo into the halls of power. I would go to the governor's mansion. It's just going through a girl. Are you hearing me? And I don't have a problem with that. She is known by her extravagant generosity to the poor. For she always reaches out her hands to those in need. She's not afraid of tribulation, for all her household is covered in the dual garments of righteousness and grace. Wow. She's always wanting to be right with God. I'm talking women of God now. Those who understand their value, like, man, I just want to be right with God, and I do not want the grace of God in my life to be in vain. Her clothing is beautifully knit together, a purple gown of exquisite linen. Why? Because she's royalty. She is the queen. I said she is the queen. Her husband is famous and admired by all, sitting as a uh, venerable um, judge of his people. Notice he can take his seat because she's taken her seat. This is why, husbands, you want, you want your marriage to be where it needs to be if you're going to ever reach the capacity you have. The only way you can reach a capacity that God has for you, if you have a wife that is rebellious and stiff-necked, is if she cuts you loose, and then you're free from that and you run on with God. Outside of that, if you do not work to make it, say, well, it's good enough. Good enough doesn't get you in the seat. In fact, I would even go this far. We know single women or single mothers have an anointing that single fathers do not. Because the Lord says to the woman, 
I'll be a father to the fatherless. This is why your kids can still grow up and honor God even though you, were, you rebelled and weren't an example. Her husband is famous, admired by all. Even her works of righteousness she does for the benefit of her enemies. Amen. Bold power and glorious majesty are wrapped around her as she laughs with joy over the latter days. Her teachings are filled with wisdom and kindness as loving instructions pour from her lips. Instead of us trying to talk to our wives all the time, we should say, honey, what do you got to say? Instead of cutting her off mid-sentence, what do you got to say? I want to hear from you. She watches over her ways of her household and meets every need they have. Her sons and daughters arise in one accord to exalt her virtues. One translation says they raise up and call her blessed. And her husband arises to speak of her in glowing terms. If all you're doing is bragging about how well your wife sleeps with you, you got problems. The only thing good you can say about your wife is how good it felt the night before. Then you don't know the value of your wife. Hallelujah. Amen. There are many valiant and noble ones, but you have ascended above them all. Wow, that's a title given to a woman. Charm can be misleading, and beauty is vain, and so quickly fades. But this virtuous woman lives in wonder, awe, and fear of the Lord. She will be praised throughout eternity. So go ahead and give her the credit that is due. For she has become a radiant woman, and all her loving works of righteousness deserve to be admired at the gateways of every city. Wow. Women, I encourage you, you should read this daily so that you can get within you your value. As much as I speak to my wife, tell her I love her, tell her she's a woman of God, my words do not have the same weight as her heavenly father. And as much as I try to echo exactly what he's saying and then try to model his way through a husband to her, it will never cause her to rise to the level she is until she hears it from her father herself. Amen. And I, so I encourage you women, because when you do that, whether I get in the flesh on something or whether I forget something and absent-minded or didn't happen to evaluate that situation with more tenderness, she can easily say, but I have a father who knows my value. And then she's easy to forgive me when I come and say, honey, forgive me. I wasn't sensitive enough. I wasn't, I didn't demonstrate that value right. Forgive me because you are highly valuable to me because of who you are in Christ and who our Father has made you. Amen? Amen? And because of that, you'll be called blessed. That's where success comes. 
is by being a woman of virtue, a woman of character. And your husband doesn't make you that. Your God does. Gentlemen, we have a tough, supportive role. I know the Bible calls us the head of the house. But we are actually supporting God's vision of the woman. And that's a supporting role. And it's a tough one. But you must rise to the occasion and understand that she is the most valuable thing that you have in your life. And you need to treat it as the greatest treasure. And anytime you start seeing yourself bury that treasure with your words and your actions, you need to repent, humble yourself, and go dig her back up and let her know that she's the best thing that's ever happened in your life outside of Jesus. Single girls, if you don't find a guy that values you right out the gate, he ain't worth having. You might as well wait. There are 8 billion people on the planet. And you're not too young or too old. What I mean. Well, you know, I'm this old. I ain't found. God will, you pursue God. You need a spouse. They'll bring you someone to do it. Most people that are married today made decisions because they were emotional. And they were led by their flesh. But you're in it now. And there's no excuse for you that are born again. Just live God. No problem. Because we are an example of two horrible people who were not pursuing God and living according to our flesh. But when we came together, the Holy Spirit says, this ain't going to work unless you do it my way. And we at least had enough smarts about us to say, we'll do it your way. My wife's told me before, you know, if I went on before you, you'll probably remarry. I said, ain't no way. <clears throat> it's not going to happen. So I can't believe it. I said, it ain't going to happen. I said, what you don't understand is I know you. I know the fight of faith. I know every trial you came through. I know every adversity you whipped and won. And you don't get that in a tight skin suit. You get that through years of fighting a good fight of faith. And I would never trade that woman for anything. And I sure don't have time on the planet to go let someone else get to that caliper. You look at your wife and you notice she's fought a good fight and she's come through something. Man. She's beat adversity. She yielded to God. She didn't give in to the flesh, didn't quit. Didn't. You cherish that. Man, you cherish that. Because sex don't cover that. Sex don't help that. Sex, sex ain't never defeated an enemy by itself. 
No, the spirit inside her is the most amazing thing on the planet. And she still looks doggone good. I better simmer down, right? She said, pray, baby, pray. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, we love you and we honor you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. Thank you.